standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of the Sunday Chops. So, we are starting a brand new series over the course of September about the menopause. And kicking us off this week, I am chatting to author Darcy Steinke, whose name I pronounce really inexplicably oddly in the interview you're about to hear. We were chatting over the phone and I misheard her a little bit, so uh, Steinke, I believe, is how you actually are supposed to pronounce it. Anyway, Darcy has written a book, Flash Count Diary, a new story about the menopause, which is fucking amazing. She is talking about the menopause, ofs, as the title would suggest, and the natural world, whales specifically. Who knew whales were this interesting? You're about to find out why. About the liberation of coming out of your monthly cycle, about the rose-tinted glasses of oestrogen. Like, just, it's absolutely fascinating, and the book is amazing. I can't stress that enough. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed reading the book and indeed talking to Darcy. I'm joined on the phone by Darcy Stanky, author of many books, including the new book, Flash Count Diary. Darcy, thanks for joining us, first of all. Thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit in sort of broad terms what your book is about? Well, it started with, I myself um, started to go through menopause. I had a hot flash. And I remember I woke up in the middle of the night, completely covered with sweat. You know, I'm a minister's daughter, so my first thought was, you know, was God is finally trying to contact me. You know, I thought I was like, <laughs> something divine, you know. And in some ways it is something divine, which is kind of what my book is about in a way too. But but in within a few days I realized I was having hot flashes and I had entered menopause. So I had a lot of hot flashes, sleeplessness a sense of disorientation. Outside of cycling, I had a lot of trouble figuring out who I was. You know, I felt, I mean, now I love it, but at first I was kind of confused by being outside of cycling because I had known myself, you know, like over the month by like, you know, this week I feel like this, this week I feel like this, before I menstruate I feel like this, you know. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a writer and a reader, so I looked around for books that might help me with this. And I really couldn't find anything. I mean, there's a few good medical texts, and, you know, there's a lot of really terrible books, for instance, like The Sexy Years by Suzanne Summers, you know, which is like just so sad, like in her sort of trying to prop up her young self, but also with really wrong medical information as well, you know. So I was struggling and it was really not until I found The Killer Whales. You know, I was reading in The New York Times science section about how the only two creatures that go through menopause are female women and killer whales Mm -hmm. and that blew my mind and so then I went to the article that was in Nature magazine the journal Nature and I read the whole article I mean they're almost exactly like women in that they have a sharp menopause around 45 or 50 and then they go on to have a long post-reproductive life they live 30 or 40 or 50 years after that and they also become their the leaders of their pods you know it's a matriarchy so it's the post-reproductive females that become the leaders after they you know, done menstruating. There's a lot of confusion why menopause was selected in the Darwinian sense, because most creatures, you know, according to Darwinian fitness, which means having as many children as possible before you die, it seems like the best strategy is just to keep on breeding until you die, you know, so there's a lot of confusion. Like a lot of scientists have said to me, you know, menopause is, you know, a big evolutionary puzzle. Like why was it selected? But this particular article speculated that when we were in our hunter and gatherer phase as humans, 
it was probably selected for the same reason it was selected in the whale population is, you know, that around 50 women got so smart, so valuable to their communities that it was important to have two groups of women, one to do the very important and amazing work of mothering and taking care of children. And then this older group that were done having children to basically to kind of lead the community, you know, to help their grandchildren and their offspring. But also they had knowledge like after the flood, which plants could you still eat? You know, what was the best way to help couples get along? You know, how could the community not be at war all the time? You know, so, you know, the older women were considered really valuable. So this was an idea that I really, really liked because there's so much negativity around menopause. So that is really what drove me to write my own book. I'm like, you know, I'm going to write the book that I wish I could read because there's so little that's good about this subject. So that's how the book sort of started. I've read it and I'm 36, so I'm, you know, a little way off menopause, but, you know, not a squillion billion years away. It's not like, you know, a completely sort of alien concept, but it is something that, I'll be honest with you, I don't really like to think about very much. Why do you think you don't like to think about it? Because, well, for a lot of the reasons that you sort of talk about in your book is quite interesting. I think one of the things you sort of talk about, and you've just sort of alluded to it now with the book you're talking about, it kind of seems to reveal a lot of internal misogyny because of the way that women are valued in society so men are obsessed with youth basically their own and with women's Mm -hmm. and so I think there's quite a lot of shame and and stigma around menopause so do you think that the negativity around menopause is that just an extension of of that sort of patriarchal message that we're being fed I think so. I mean, I think there's a lot of things going on. I think physical struggle of menopause is real for a lot of women. Do I think menopause is a disease? Like the medical establishment tries to say, not at all. It's like a, it's it's just as natural as puberty. It's just as natural as pregnancy. You know, it's 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 just a female life stage. But there is some real struggle. So I think that's something that women get afraid of and get worried about. But I actually do agree with you. I think the bigger thing is this idea of the shame. You know, once we're not, you know, considered whatever in our sexual prime, once we're not able to have babies anymore, you know, there's a feeling like, what good are we? Just like step to the sidelines, you know, you're done. That's super dangerous to our mental health. I mean, that's a big problem. So yeah, I agree. I mean, it's hard to figure out because I've been really thrilled to see how my book has been embraced by people. But where the pushback has come has sort of been sometimes I feel like with, you know, with what you're saying, like even women that have sort of internalized this idea that our main valuable period is our fertile period and we should do everything whether it's take hormones get plastic surgery work out like maniacs that we should do everything to stay or to to try to prop up that period one of the things you talk about in the book and you know you just sort of mentioned it now is about this idea that we have to continue to prop up this idea that we are valuable when we're young and sexy and whatever which is kind of a ridiculous idea because of course you know older women can be just as sexy if not more so than younger women but this this idea that you know that this kind of obsession with youth that is sort of passed on to us through the patriarchy you talk about HRT which is basically to sort of help them continue to want sex basically and you I think well one of the things I've written down here is uh, the quote from the book that basically it's trying to keep us compliant fuckable girls which is <laughs> which is excellent well and, well <laughs> and the uh, the anecdote about um, Dr. Charles Edward Brown Saccard who injects himself with guinea pig semen 
is just like frankly wonderful him being able to piss further because he's he's taken yeah. this i think he actually injected himself with the crushed gonads of guinea pigs i guess that oh. is kind of guinea pig semen though you're probably right <laughs> i mean either way it's extreme right <laughs> like, either way i don't think i want to do that certainly not to enable me to piss further i think it's really interesting what what were your thoughts about that about the this idea that we should be pumping women with drugs i feel like women are judged so much that i definitely don't want to judge women who decide to make that decision to go on hormones i feel like it's a personal decision and i mean i don't i can't judge that but do i think that drug companies take advantage of vulnerable women hormone companies Absolutely. And I I know that because of the history of their advertising, actually, and the way they currently try to advertise HRT. But do I also think that hormones, in some cases, help some women? Probably. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like that it's a, that part, I feel like I can't judge. Am I worried about the general phenomena? I mean, that's the thing I object to the most, in a way, about HRT. It's not like, it's not in some ways these individual cases. It's the general message that it does seem to send that our most important and healthiest periods are a fertile one, right? And I do worry about the sexual part of it. I talked to one doctor, she was a gynecologist and very pro-hormone, and I was kind of talking to her about the sex life of women after menopause, and she actually said to me, most of my clients don't enjoy sex, they just don't want it to hurt. And they're talking about penetration there, of course. Mm. And that made me so sad. You know what I mean? That's just like, I felt that was so dark, right? I mean... I don't know. I just feel like it's important to have a sex life that you want to have and like that your desires are actually acted out. This is true for me and many of the women that I interviewed because I interviewed about 100 women for the book. And a lot of them were less interested in penetration once they had gone through menopause. And in some ways, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, clearly penetration is incredibly important. We wouldn't be talking to each other right now, right? Like if it didn't exist, you Mm. know, like it's necessary for the perpetration of the human race. Mm -hmm. After menopause, it would make sense in a way that maybe that's not the sex act that you're, you know, maybe you want to do other things. There's many things on the menu, right? That might be one thing you're interested in sometimes, but there might be a lot of other things that you could do as well. So that was something that I really felt as I was working on the book and talking to women and myself in my own sex life, frankly, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff to do that are great. Like go with your authentic desire rather than the same old um, sexual script that you've been using your whole life. So it's a time to relook at your physical life. I feel like a menopause is, and I have found it like kind of exciting. I don't know. I, I found it like, I don't know, I feel like the best sex I've ever had has been in the last five or 10 years, you know? So menopause has a lot of sort of negative connotations or feelings attached to it by society and part of that is about older women becoming less visible I guess or or deemed as less worthy because of the way we're valued in society but you've found quite a lot of positives in it to talk about as well which I think is really important because there's not a lot of that out there as far as I'm aware but sex is one of those things you talked about how because of the physical changes that women go through sex has to change for some women a lot of the women that you spoke to felt quite freed by that and by other things like one of the things you talk about is sort of concept of ungendering and a sort of freedom that that gave you that you talked about and other women that you spoke to can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah I felt just very let's as I less estrogen going through menopause I just felt less strictly 
femi, you know, femi female mm. in the way that I had before. I found myself less interested in traditional female things like makeup and things like that. I just felt like a kind of like my my David Bowie self, like you know what I mean? <laughs> that had always been in there, that had always secretly been in there and yeah. wanted to get out was finally like my more extremely sexy androgynous David Bowie self was finally coming out, you mm. know. And it was like a cool feeling. And it was like very, in some ways, like very sexy. I mean, it changed to a certain extent of some of the sexual and power dynamics with my husband, which is really sexy. And he was super into, you know, so, so like that. Was cool. <laughs> this is hard to talk about, I think. And there's been a lot of pushback against this idea, I think, because one of the things that people have said about menopausal women is that they're like men. You know what I mean? They look like men and they, they act like men now and they're you know, masculine and they've been masculinized by no hormones and all stuff. But that's, that's not really what I'm talking about. Mm. I mean, maybe it's the same idea as far as I I have a different feeling. I recognize that feeling from a subjective point of view, but I have a more nuanced feeling about it. Right. Mm. And the women that I talked to felt the same. They, they felt not quite like their earlier female self, like, and, and every single degree of that, you know, like, you know, there were some that felt a little less female. There were some that felt very androgynous, but there's a percentage of women in middle age that, you know, decide that they don't want hair to sexual relationships anymore. And they look for female partners. I mean, that's something that happens. Yeah. So that's, and that's something that's kind of real. I mean, that's happened to a lot of my friends, I'll say, and it's looking pretty good to me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't adore my husband, but they seem extremely happy. These women, I'll just lay it out there. I mean, the thing is, it's a lot about reframing, right? Like all these things that they're telling us, you know, we're like men, we hate sex, we, you know, we become dried up shrews, you know, it's like, it's just, it's a matter of taking, you know, actually taking back the actual symptoms and the nuances of how these things actually feel. And they're actually quite like, they're quite interesting. I mean, the great thing about being a writer and maybe even being a certain kind of person is, you know, the, the hard things in life and the things that are supposedly terrible are also the most fascinating things, right? So, if we can kind of look at menopause in ways that are more nuanced and interesting and not just like bad, I mean, that to me is, is, is the direction we should be going is, is kind of reclaiming. And a lot of the things that do happen, be honest about them, but, but also talk about them in ways that are more generative. Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. Hey there, you lot. If you're wondering how you can join in on the fun of a live Standard Issue podcast, well, you're in luck because I'm here to tell you our next live show will be at King's Place in London as part of the London Podcast Festival. And we are absolutely chuffed to bits because we will be joined by comedian and disability rights activist Tanya Lee Davis, as well as journalist and co-author of the brilliant Slay in Your Lane, Yomi Adegaki. And that will be on September the 15th. You can find out more information on this and how to get tickets by visiting our website www.standardissuepodcast.com please do get a ticket it's my birthday and i will as the song goes cry if i want to technically it was her party not her birthday but same difference right so one of the things i found quite interesting is the idea that estrogen is basically kind of like the rose tinted glasses uh, hormone and one of the things you talk about quite a lot in the book is is rage basically mm. is is you know, your anger about certain things and and becoming less docile, less compliant, less malleable. 
and sort of accessing that rage a bit more. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about was this other idea that you're kind of like no longer ruled by your hormones, for example. Because it feels like a bit of a trope sometimes that men use. Do you think that those hormones are basically sort of abused by society and sort of spoken about as a means of, you know, controlling us, I guess? In the run-up to the US presidential election in 2016, obviously... All of it was hideous. A lot of the stuff about Hillary Clinton. There were people who were genuinely saying, like, in all seriousness, that, that a woman in charge couldn't be the president of the USA because, you know, what if she lost her shit with her hormones and she pressed the red nuke button? So this idea yeah. that women are out of control right. of their emotions, that they're ruled by them. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't buy into that. I hope the book doesn't either. But, I mean, I guess I feel like, you know, before I would menstruate like when I was menstruating I would feel sometimes right before people talk about it like bitchiness or out of controlness but I thought of it more like it seemed like it was a a period of lucidity you know what I mean like the the hormonal veil kind of lifted you know estrogen does make you feel good and you know happy with life which you know you know helps you mother and like the domestic comes fear and all that stuff but I would feel I would feel a lift of that and I would feel like a sense of lucidity like I was able to see my life a little more clearly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would get mad because I was unhappy with certain things in my life. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that like I got bitchy before my period. I mean, it was actually like an actual thing was happening to me that was extremely nuanced and c- kind of beautiful and interesting, right? I mean, I think it's a way, again, it's a way to think about it. Like if you think about the hormonal changes that, that menstruating women go through, I mean, is there any time of the month that I think women are crazy? No. Are there times of the month that I think they may feel like different than they felt the week before? Yeah, maybe, but like not substantially. You know what I mean? Like, I I just feel like if, if we can add a little bit more nuance to the idea of menopause having an effect on our moods and our behaviors and our mental life, then these ideas wouldn't seem so you know, cartoonish and negative. I mean, do I know for sure scientifically whether it's a real thing? I mean, there aren't a heck of a lot of studies on this. Believe me, I looked into it. I guess I'm going from my own feelings and the feelings of some of the women that I interviewed, the feelings of my friends, you know, things like that. The hormonal landscape of menopause is a lot like those days before your period, you know, know, when the estrogen drops out, you know. So you have, and this is why people can talk, they can say that you're irritable. They, you can, you know, they talk about menopausal, like irritability and stuff, but really what it is to me is maybe we should say lucidity, you know, and then with that lucidity can bring some anger about like how our life works, some of our things in our relationships we'd like to change. Don't I mean? Like there's Mm. can be a lucidity that helps us see things more clearly. I feel like I'm I'm torn because I don't like the idea that hormones are used as a negative threat you know what I mean like like like, but I also think that you know we are women that are inside a cycle and there are are realities to that but those realities are extremely nuanced and interesting and overwhelmingly kind of like like I don't think it ever leads to like a giant lack of control like I've never seen it myself I've never seen that in anyone I've known I have not seen that in my daughter you know what I mean I think some people can have more problems with their hormones and cycles and whatever than other people yeah absolutely but I just I just thought it was an interesting to me that on one hand I kind of feel like well this is all sort of like 
shit that men talk about to demean us basically and, and control us and I think it's it's a trope that is abused by men but there is also some some truth in it I guess the point I was trying to make is is that sort of being manipulated by society I would say it is being like you're manipulated but I would say it's just like the idea of of menopause itself like we need to sort of take it back you know yeah like we need to get back into our own subjectivity and like and move out from there let's talk briefly about the animals as you said before you became like quite interested in these whales and you found a whale called lolita who was being held in captivity mm-hmm. in florida really what happened my obsession with the whales um once it started i first found the wild whales i would watch footage of the southern residents which are the whales and that were studied in the the whale paper that i talked about like earlier like in this interview and i would also listen to the hydrophone there's a live link hydrophone so i could hear them um like in the salish sea out in washington state like i would listen to to them in my office all day, listen to see, you know, listen to their sounds. But eventually through, you know, research and whatnot, I found out about Lolita, which is, was actually a member of those um, same whales. Um, she was a Southern resident. She was a member of K-Pod and she was kidnapped like 50 years ago or 48 years ago. And she's lived ever since in the Miami Sea Aquarium. And she, or as some people call it, the Miami Sea Prison. Um, and, and so, I got obsessed with her too. I eventually, I mean, in some ways the first trip I made for the book is I was just like, I was so upset about her and this whole thing. And so I'm just like, and I didn't even know I was going to write the book. I thought I might like write, you know, write like an article. I I can remember saying to my husband, this is insane, but I'm just going to fly down to Miami to like see this whale and also to protest with the protesters who Hmm. protested. I went and saw her. And that was probably one of the more devastating experiences of my entire life, I would say, just to see her trapped in this little concrete pit. You know, it's barely two, like two lengths. I think it's four lengths of her body. Wow. Um, Having to do do these stupid tricks, you know, her captivity upset me the most. And and also how zombified she seemed and, you know, and the, you know, like animal activists are pretty convinced she's probably on like a lot of tranquilizers and antidepressants and stuff. But also the crowd, it was like cheering, clapping. I just felt so alienated. I mean, I've never felt so angry at a group of people. And like, so that was terrible. And really, I was like reeling from that. It was really hard for me. Like I had to go back to my hotel room and drink a lot of rosé. Like it was just like <laughs> really, really hard, you know. Yeah. But luckily the next day, was Saturday. So I jumped up and went with the protesters. There was about 25 protesters. And we stood in front of the sea aquarium and turned away cars. And, you know, it, it was interesting. Like once you actually told people like even a few, a few things about her captivity, they were like, we, we don't want to go here. We don't want to support this place. So I think we turned away like 25 cars. Wow. And then I got up the next day on Sunday and did the same thing again. So that made me feel great. It was like a place, you know, a place I could put all this just this sadness and fury. Did you kind of see Lolita as a sort of like metaphor for womanhood? I think so. I think I identified. I mean, this sounds crazy because, you know, I'm not an animal and I'm not like a whale rider or anything like well, that. Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll come like, to that. I've, I've got a question <laughs> okay. about that, actually. But yeah, go on. Yeah, I felt like I definitely feel like that was partly why it affected me so strongly is it was like is like her captivity resonated with me as someone who feels, you know, at 57 kind of feels like kind of held captive by the cultural idea of what a, you know, what an aging woman is. Like I kind of feel held captive in a weird way, too, even though I know our situations are completely different. I think her captivity did really resonate with me. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, in some ways, sort of captivity throughout life, throughout the different yeah. stages of life for women. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a very good point. But I mean, so you say you're not an animal, so it's like nuts that you identified with it all. But so you talk a bit about gorillas as well, and, and you've done a bit of research on that. Was it kind of a reminder in a way that actually we are all animals? You yeah, know? it's kind of like an animal birthday in the same way that birth is or puberty. And it made me definitely feel like more animal and connected to my animal self. Yeah. And then, of course, the whales made me feel, I mean, in some ways, like I don't think I could have gotten through my menopause without strongly identifying with this other species, you know, the orca, the killer whales, which is kind of crazy in a way. Like I still kind of can't believe that that's how I got through menopause, but <laughs> actually what happened, you know what I mean? It was like, like I always remember this time I, I had just started my research and I had a really bad night and I was feeling terrible and everything. And my husband came over to the bed and said, when you go away from the whales, you don't do so well. But when you stay with the whales, you seem really good. You know, like, <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow. So even he understands that basically now I'm a whale. So, so, so it was, it was just kind of this amazing experience to, to go so deeply into their culture. And yeah, then I went, to Colo, the gorilla. I mean, the gorillas don't actually, they, they get less fertile, but they actually don't go through menopause. And gorillas actually do, are not like a matriarchy. They're, I mean, they're a worse example of actually of a patriarchy than us. They, it's one silverback. I mean, they actually live in harems. She one silverback and between two and six or 10 uh, um, females, the older females are treated, are usually treated kind of terribly like in these like groups. And then of course, elephants are matriarchs, and I only got to see like an elephant in the zoo, so I didn't get to see the full, you know, the full on like matriarchal elephant, the full elephant experience, if you will. Yeah. But I did. I definitely felt, and I still continue to feel this. I have a lot of interest. I mean, I was not very really like an animal lover or even an animal person. I always felt kind of suspicious of people who loved animals. Just not that interested. But that's all changed now. I mean, they the whales were like the gateway to animals and now I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with animals like I spend time watching birds and I even I'll even I'll watch like an insect do its thing I don't know I just am completely obsessed now so yeah well I, I recommend cats 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 are good I, like I cats. love cats I know I have two cats now I'm I'm completely over that I love cats now believe me awesome good stuff that would be good for the listeners of the podcast we talk about cats quite a lot on this podcast <laughs> unbelievably my, my two cats are june bug and woodpile and i found them both in my backyard in brooklyn as babies as strays oh what together I, I bottle fed them no no woodpile was like he's getting old maybe 15 years ago yeah and june bug or hurricane sandy but they're they're a little bit feral, but they're kind of great. Oh, who keeps leaving kittens knocking around in Brooklyn? Who's doing that? Um, but, you know, also maybe keep doing it if people like you. I'm going <laughs> to shut up now. What can we learn from the whales? Ooh, well, there's so much to learn. Um, the matriarchy, that's the thing we should work toward. I know it seems impossible, but I think we should really try to continue to work toward that. And, of course, in safe ways, not, I mean, not by violence, but, but we should continue to, you know, try to work toward being leaders ourselves, wanting to follow leaders that are women, like, for instance, Hillary Clinton, rather than, you know, throwing stones at them. You know what I mean? Like, I think we should really work on that because the whales are such happy followers of their post-reproductive uh, um, pod leaders. Their love of family and community was really strong. And also, I just love, I mean, the fact that they're just so free, like they, they swim about 200 miles a day. 
and they swim all the way like from Iceland and then they're over here and they're, they're just everywhere. And so that idea of like the freedom, the ease in which they travel and move, that's something I really, I really admire as well too. And how it's not a big deal for them. You know, they can just kind of like move around in the world with a lot of, a lot of independence and freedom. Yeah. I guess the value of wisdom and experience maybe. Of the matriarchs? Like yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the whale that I admired the most, I got to see her, was uh, J2, a whale. Her nickname was Granny. She was 105 when she died. I mean, wow. so she really, she was the leader of KJNL Pod. And there was a whale scientist who had seen her, you know, like hundreds of times. And she told me that, um, this is Dr. Deborah Giles. Um, she told me that when they were swimming down Harrow Strait and they were too spread out, the pods, she would tail slap her, her t- <laughs> The water and all the whales would like line up in back of her they were you know she was just like come on you know what I mean like so she was really powerful and until the very end she was like she would breach and spy hop and you know the whales have a very lovely open sexual way of being so she you know she was a part of that mix too which is which is um, something that I love about the whales so yeah so she was like a charismatic leader you know Charismatic leader. I'd like to see more charismatic leaders in the world right now. Uh, (laughs) Probably, I don't know if you know who Boris Johnson is. He's our new prime minister. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, terrible times. Terrible times. He seems awful. He is awful. He is awful. So when you're talking about the flashes, you describe Mm -hmm. them as divine in some ways, right? So I think like women's sort of bodily experiences are quite often described in this way. Uh-huh. Do you think that despite all of the, I think, you know, from birth, we're sort of taught to be ashamed of our bodies, to find them sort of like, you know, dirty and periods mm. we're taught forever to be ashamed of. Do you think that despite all of this, that we are actually the lucky ones? I guess I do think that, yeah. I sometimes feel like I like men a lot, you know, like I have a, I have a dad, I have a brother, I have a husband. But like, I don't know, their their connection to the realities of life, uh, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, mm. <laughs> the women in my life are just, it's sort of flesh and blood, you know, we're so connected to these things, you know, like that it's, there's a rawness and a realness that I wouldn't want to miss out on, even though it's really hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's like something that's quite profound about that, actually about that, about being on a cycle that's seems to be tied to the earth's like processes about having your body kind of break when you like give birth to a baby like you know what I mean like you break open like having you know stopping cycling and 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 moving into this this new phase of you know hopefully freedom I mean that's I know I'm speaking from a very you know privileged position I feel really grateful as hard as these things are to have experienced them Darcy, your book is published by Canongate in the UK and it is available now. I've yeah. really, really enjoyed it. And I think for someone like me who has yet to experience these things, it's great that stuff like that is out there and available for us to read and feel a little bit more empowered about yeah. you know the changes that are happening to us. So I would recommend anyone, any age, like if you're a woman, read it. It's a very, very interesting and entertaining read where can we find you on twitter and on the internet so that we can see what else you're up to because i have no doubt you will be writing all sorts of other interesting things i think i'm just at darcy stanky and then i also have a website which is just darcy and then if you go to the contact 
part of that, everything is listed. So Facebook and Twitter and Darcy, thank you so so much for talking to me for a really long time. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. And I'm going to keep listening to your podcast. Please do. Hello, Mickey here. As you're having such pleasure listening, you might be up for helping us out in making more content that champions women. That's easy to do. You can just bob along to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash standard issue. And any spare bunch you might have found in your pocket down the back of the sofa, feel free to chuck it to us. Much obliged. Standard issue for all women.